something we do at MacAv because we are a teaching body is that, um, am I too close to something? Uh, is that if you guys have questions that are pertinent to what we're discussing, please feel free to raise your hand and I'll call on you and we can talk about it. Uh, again, I would just ask that you keep it to the subject matter that, that's at hand, but please feel free to do that. So today, um, let, let's do a couple of things. Two months ago, if you guys remember who were here, uh, Pastor Russ was talking about that we all come with a framework that I'm going to call our mental book of theology. And as we get information, as we hear new things, we, we do a number of different things with that. We can process it in and say, like, wow, I, I've never heard that before. Let me look at the scriptures. Am I feedbacking big time? Might. I am in my ears, at least. Um, so if we get new information, we can, we can go through the scriptures, hear what the speaker said, and we could add that to our book of theology, our mental book of theology. We can compare it to what we already have existing if we understand about tithing, and we can compare that, and we can say, hey, that, that, that again is new information. Maybe I need to rethink tithing even though I've had a good understanding of it in the past. Or um, we can be foolish and reject that new idea and just say, hey, man, I'm, I'm keeping my, fit, my feet stiff, and I'm not listening to it, and obviously that's foolishness. So I would encourage you, as we're processing through some of this information, open up your notebook if you need to do some erasing and some adding of some new scriptures and that kind of thing concerning protection and deliverance. I'd ask that you do that. So let's pray, and then we'll open up. Lord, you are great. It is our desire to make your name greatly known in this community. Lord, we thank you for your protection and for your deliverance. We thank you for your word. We thank that your word is exalted above all else. May it be so this morning. Lord, I pray for the congregation that our ears would be um, opened up, our hearts and our minds, Father God, would receive what your word has to say in Jesus' name. Amen. So again, today's uh, topic is protection and deliverance. Um, there are outlines out there for some of you guys if you want to grab them to go through some of the scriptures that we'll be talking about today, but also the entire book of Proverbs. Um, Protection and deliverance, let's pretend like that's a microscope slide and uh, we're zoomed in real close to look at this. But initially what I want to do is I want to back way out and set a foundation so that as we zoom in, we've got a better perspective. So I'm going to go through and I'm going to talk about what I would call two big picture points. Jonathan, okay, thanks. Um, the first is that God has already, yeah, it's, okay, that God has already protected us from his wrath, and God has already delivered us from eternal damnation. I mean, that's pretty substantial in and of itself, and I would say to you that that's enough. That's enough if that's all that God did. And you'd say, like, well, what do you mean by that? If we look at the eternal perspective of things, the fact that we have been saved and protected from his wrath, delivered from eternal damnation, the small amount of sufferings that we might suffer here, as Paul says, man, I don't even count the sufferings in this life that I'm going to encounter in compared to the glory that the Lord is going to reveal in the future. Protection and deliverance are really only discussed in relationship to pain and suffering. 
Proverbs, as we're talking, the main theme is the fear of God. And so I'd like to go ahead and read this. Matthew 10, 28. And do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul, but rather fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Again, the book of Proverbs talks about the fear of God as the beginning of wisdom. And I would propose to you guys that as we're discussing protection and deliverance, many times it's in relationship to other people, you know, coming into our realm, unjust circumstances. You know, the Hiram Millers brought up a whole bunch of things where, you know, people were against them. They got kicked out. And the reality is that they chose not to fear man, but they chose to fear God. And they've continued processing through, you know, what God did and what God continues to do in the future. So the second big picture item... um, is really when we're discussing protection and deliverance, we're discussing God's character because we're asking the question like, Lord, are you going to protect me? Are you going to deliver me? Are you going to leave me hanging on this one? And so I would uh, ask you to consider that the same characteristics that God exhibited when he formed the plan of salvation for you and I, that he murdered his son to be a ransom for you and I that we could be adopted into the family of God. He murdered his own son and his own son became the very thing that God despised. And he did that for you and I. And he's not going to just change his character and move away from protecting and delivering us in the present, here and now, in the 48214, in Darfur, wherever those guys end up. God's not going to bail on him because his characteristic is such. Oh, and Philippians 1.6, I am confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will perform or perfect it until the day of Jesus Christ. That is God's character. Um, okay. Let me, let me read through a couple of scriptures. Uh, Romans 8, 28, and we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Um, and then Romans 5, 8 through 10, but God commended his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more being reconciled shall we be saved by his life. Once again, when we were enemies, God set this When we were his enemies, he set the plan in motion. And the scriptures say, even then, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son. How much more, having been reconciled, as believers, we're part of that, how much more, having been reconciled. I want to tell you, God's here to protect you and deliver you, but it's going to look a little bit different, I think, than what we're used to. You look at the Hare Miller story. Did, he, did God protect them? Did he deliver them? Then why are they back here? That's a question to ask. One other scripture that I'd like to bring up in the Gospels, um, 
is Jesus is talking, and, and I'm going to read it in one context, and then we're going to take the principle of it and put it in a different context. Jesus says, if you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more shall the heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask? Now, again, the context, Jesus is talking about the Holy Spirit, but I'm going to take that principle, and I'm going to say the same thing. You look at Matt and Juliet, and if you guys ever see them with their baby, they are in, like, absolute adoration of this thing. I mean, Juliet's smile is ginormous. Matt's the big bear is holding this little kid. And they would do anything for that child. They are in love with him, in love with her. And I hate to say it, but scriptures say that Matt and Juliet are evil. How much more shall your heavenly father... Okay, how many here... How many here like pain? <laughs> how many here like pain? Okay, does anybody here think that there's good pain? Okay, anybody name a good pain? Okay, bud? Okay, anybody else? Toots? Okay. Okay, I'm going to give you I'm going to give you two quick ones. When Benny and I were raising our children, our, our children are now grown, James and Martha, we did a lot of spanking. Uh, that was the form of discipline that we chose to use. And very often I would say to James or Martha, this is going to hurt, but dad would never harm you. This is going to hurt, but dad would never harm you. Okay, let's envision next year we're at um, uh, Discipleship Retreat. We're playing beach volleyball. Jared goes up to absolutely spike one down, and Caleb's blocking it. Jared dislocates his finger, and the thing's sticking out sideways. So he goes over to, he goes over to Scott Selly and says, Hey, Selly, can you, like, do something with this thing? Selly says, Yeah. What's the next thing out of Scott's mouth? This is going to hurt. Okay? Jared says, Yeah, give me a bullet. Let me bite this thing. Scott pops that bad boy out. Now, what's the irony of these two situations is that if the initial pain had been deferred, if you said, hey, man, I, I don't want to do that. Scott, don't pull on my finger. If I wouldn't have spanked Martha and James, Martha and James would have turned into greater rebellion children. Martha and James wouldn't have known that mom and dad loved them and were going to put them in their place because that's what parents are called to do. And they'd have a distorted view of what the Heavenly Father's chastisement and discipline is all about. And again, uh, you know, Jared doesn't, doesn't let his finger go put back in place because he rejects that initial pain that Sally's offering him. And so what happens? His finger's sideways for the rest of his life. It's useless. Going to be full of calcium. Going to be full of arthritis. If you, if you rejected the initial pain, greater harm is going to be what's coming. So again, guys, I'm trying to, we're going to talk, we're talking about protection and deliverance. I'm trying to like zoom way out and now we're going to start zooming in a little bit. When are pain and, uh, when are protection and deliverance needed? They're needed when pain, suffering, or unjust circumstances exist. Where does this pain originate? And I basically would say it originates in kind of two places. Our sin and others' sin. Now, our sin, as we know, has been dealt with on the cross, okay? That's an eternal uh, taken care of. 
there are still circumstantial things that you and I suffer because of unwise choices that we've made in the past where our sin has affected the outcome of our life. Does that make sense? You guys hear what I'm saying? We can pray for protection and deliverance for those things, but the reality is there are going to be some circumstances that we are not going to be able to avoid because of our sin. And I would also contend with you, because we live in the 48214, because we live in a fallen and corrupt world, others' sin affects us. The house across the street from Betty and I, the people had to move out, and people have broken in, and they're hanging out partying there. And that just completely bums me out. But I live in the 48214. That's why MacGav is here. That's why Christ has come. That's why Herr Millers went to Darfur. So when we're, when we're discussing when uh, protection and deliverance come into play, I would say, you know, you guys hear those commercials or whatever, and they say some conditions apply. And who did I have reading this? Is that Matt Ott? Matt, would you mind? Nice and loud? Nice and loud. Thanks, Matt. So the whole point of this, when I say some conditions apply, one of the things that MacAv leadership, Pastor Eric and Pastor Leon, are always encouraging us is two things, humility and meekness. So that when Brother Alvin comes to me during discipleship time and says, hey, bud, you know, you dropped the ball here. You know, Betty came and squealed on you, and I'm here to tell you that you need to repent. Humility and meekness in me is either going to say, okay, yeah, you know, I will submit to that. I'll repent of that and we'll move on. If my neck becomes stiff from people in the congregation bringing my sin before me, I'm rejecting the Father's correction, he's not going to listen to me. He says that clearly in the scriptures. So young people, I just exhort you today, as you guys are growing in Christ, be humble choose meekness. Remember we talked about the framework. You got a little mental notepad. Keep taking notes. Don't ever stop taking notes. Keep going through the scriptures. Keep listening. Ask the Lord to keep a soft heart so that you're hearing God's word. You're being obedient to it. And what does it say at the end? Hey, if you listen to me, I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to protect you. But don't move away from that umbrella of the Lord's protection. Man, please, I, I plead with you, young people, keep humility and meekness and the frontals of your eyelids. Okay, now, I want you guys to pay attention because something really cool happens here. Psalm 74, 1 through 12. Oh, God, why did you cast us off 
forever. Why does your anger smoke against the sheep of your pasture? Remember your congregation, which you purchased of old, which you have redeemed to be the tribe of your heritage. Remember Mount Zion, where you have dwelt. Direct your steps to the perpetual ruins. The enemy has destroyed everything in the sanctuary. Your foes have roared in the midst of your meeting place. They set up their own signs for signs. They were like those who swing axes in a forest of trees and all its carved wood. They broke down with hatchets and hammers. They set your sanctuary on fire. They profaned the dwelling place of your name, bringing it down to the ground. They said to themselves, we will utterly subdue them. They burned all the meeting places of God in the land. We did not see our signs. There was no longer any prophet, and there was none among us who knows how long. Now, catch this. How long, O oh God, is the foe to scoff? Is the enemy to revile your name forever? Why do you hold back your hand, your right hand? Take it out of the fold of your garment and destroy them. Yet God is my king from of old, working salvation in the midst of the earth. What happened between 11 and 12? What happened? Caleb? Why? I mean, elaborate. Trust Amen. Okay. I don't remember. Is it Jocelyn? Jolyn. Do you guys hear what she said earlier? She said, lean into that suffering when it comes. That's what he did. He is railing against God to take his hands out of his garments. He said, man, God, your hands are in your pockets. What are you doing? Come against your enemies. And then what happens in verse 12? Caleb said it. And I hate to keep bringing it up, but the hair millers did it. They're in Darfur. They're saying, man, hey, we sold everything. We're over here with five kids. We're sweating. Man, like, like we just bought a van and threw a bunch of money in it. Now we got to get rid of it? And then they said, verse 12, Brian said, yet God, my king, is from old, working salvation in the midst of the earth. So I would plead with you guys Rail against injustice. Rail against sin in the community. I mean, Betty and I are doing everything to get those people out of the house across the street. We're calling the cops. We're calling DTE. I've asked John Jacobson to go cut the power to their house. <laughs> Fortunately, he said he wouldn't do it. I don't want to see injustice. And these guys are partying in this house. But what do I say next? Praise the Lord, you're sovereign. You saved me from eternal hell. You protected me. How much more having been reconciled? That phrase, how much more, is used so many times in Romans 5. I'd exhort you guys to go read it in the King James Version. It just continues to say, how much more, how much more, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved? Uh, did we get to? Okay. Um, so my question to you is, again, I, I hope that I've done a good job of, like, circling protection and deliverance. We haven't zoomed in on the microscope 100%. We're getting ready to do that right now. But I, I, I'm hoping you guys have a, a real good grasp of what I've tried to accomplish. 
it's enough that God has saved us. It, it should be more than enough that God has saved us from eternal damnation. We've got to recognize that there are still going to be circumstances that are going to affect our lives because of our sin and because of other sin. And then we can lean into the pain and say, Lord, increase my pain tolerance. Because in the end, Romans 8.28 is always true. We know that all things work together for good to them that love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. God is plenty big enough to take the hair millers getting kicked out of Sudan to bring it for his glory and for his honor. And he's willing to do the same thing for you and I. So, my, my, so maybe your guy's question is like, geez, oh, Pete's like, so when do we pray for protection and deliverance? And I would say always and fervently because we don't know the outcome. I don't think the hair millers threw up their hands and said, ah, the heck with it. Okay, we'll just go back to the States. Man, they prayed and prayed and prayed, and they're continuing to pray for Saeed. So I'm not, I don't want to discourage you because I recognize that we live in the here and now. We live in the 48214. We live in a sin-filled community. You guys in Dearborn, Ann Arbor, we're, we're all affected by it. So I want to exhort you to pray. So who's got, uh, Adam, would you, nice and loud, and would you turn around so they, they can hear you? So what, what just happened here? Some gal's got nasty medical condition. I think in the King James it says like she spent all of her money and it's been years and everything. But in the back of her mind she's saying, if I touch the hem of his garment, if I touch the hem of his garment, if I touch the hem of his garment, she's basically like sneaking up on Jesus. He's in a crowd and he feels virtue flow out of him. The disciples think he's, he's crazy. What are you talking about? Everybody's touched you. But he recognized something happened. This woman exhibited faith, and the scriptures say, by your faith, woman, you are made whole. There is something in the Christian life about being perseverant and being passionate in our desire to find God. Man, we got to crawl and scrape our knees and trip and bang our heads, but you don't give up. This woman didn't give up. And what was her reward? Man, she was healed. Um, James 5.16, that's me. Um, I, I think in the King James, I like it, it says, the effectual, James 5.16, the effectual, fervent prayer of the righteous man availeth much. If you guys are believers in here, you have the potential for effectual prayer. You have potential for fervent prayer. Some of those things are your guys' call, whether or not you're going to participate in that or not, or if you're just going to pray, and dear Lord, I know it's your will, or I don't know if it's your will, so whatever your will is, have at it. Okay? I would discourage that kind of prayer. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Your prayer causes things to happen. 
And that might blow a hole in some of your theology. Sorry, but that's what the scriptures say. Open up your framework, read what the scriptures have to say, take this stuff in, compare your notes. Jared, would you, nice and loud? Thanks, Jared. Now, I think it was last week or the week before, Pastor Russ was talking, and he said very clearly what I would call, um, this is not equational theology. And by that I mean, if you just pray 479 times, God's going to answer. That, that's not what this is about. When I say equational theology, I'm saying if you do A and B, it's not going to equal C all the time. That's just not the way the Lord works because his sovereignty is involved in it. Other people's sin is involved in it. Things that we don't have any clue about that are going to happen 1, 2, 5, 10, 20 years down the road. I mean, Toots and I have been doing missions in Detroit for like seven, eight years trying to figure out how do we get to Detroit. And then all of a sudden a buddy of mine says, hey, you got to come hear this guy preach. We come hear this guy preach and Zoom, we're here. Man, we, you know, trying to figure out seven years, you guys said, like, man, mission field, have a baby. We want to be on the mission field, have a baby. We want to be on the mission field, have a baby. They went through five of them until the Lord brought them to the mission field. So, again, I'm not prescribed or describing to you what I would call equational theology, but there is something to be said about being perseverant in your prayer towards um, finding God's will, as we're going to see in 1 John 5, 13 through 17. Liam, would you go for it? Nice and loud. Turn around. 13, 15. Nice and loud, bud. Excellent. Thanks, Liam. Did you guys all hear that? It says, and this is the confidence that we have, that as we pray according to God's will, we know he hears us. And if we know he hears us, we know that we have the petitions that we've set forth before him. So get to know the scriptures. Get to know God's will. And as you pray God's will, you can have utter confidence that God is going to answer that prayer. The scriptures are very clear that God desires that none should perish. We can continue to pray that for every single one of our neighbors. All right, let's, uh, let, let me summarize. God has delivered. Yeah.
Those are the next things I'm going to tell you. <laughs> I, I think so, Jonathan. Um, so in summary, God has protected and God has del uh, delivered us. God is protecting and God is delivering us. And I would just exhort you to prayerfully continue to seek for protection and deliverance in a number of ways, confidently knowing his character. We discussed God's character. Again, he killed his son for every one of you while you were his enemy. I wouldn't even think about doing that. Persistently, as Scripture has set precedence, the woman to the unjust judge, and I would contend with you, the woman with the issue of blood. And then keep the eternal perspective of who God the Father is. Remember I mentioned Matt and Julia absolutely adoring and loving that little baby and caressing that thing like, man, it's like 100 pounds of pure gold. God the Father desires to do that with you and I as well. And then lastly, the, like, you know, the end all is that verse 12 of Psalm 74, 1 through 12, where, man, he's railing saying, is that me again? Sorry. Where, he, where he's railing saying, like, God, take your hands out of your pockets and do something. And then the next thing, he just kicks back. And he says, but man, you are God and king of eternity, bringing salvation to your people. He, he just said, man, I've, I, you know, I fought, I've persevered, I've prayed according to your will, but I trust in your sovereignty. And that is the joy of Reformed theology, is that we can trust in God's sovereignty. And other theology as well, but I think you guys get the point. So, I think, to Jonathan's question, I'm going to tell you two testimonies, two personal testimonies. About nine years ago, Betty and I decided to move out of the house that we had in Plymouth and move to a, down, a smaller house. Our kids were getting ready to move out, and we were wanting something with a first floor master bedroom so that as we got old, it wasn't going to be so bad going upstairs and something smaller to take care of and something that was new so that we weren't going to have a lot of maintenance. Little did we know that three months later, the housing market took an absolute crash, and the house that we were paying an exorbitant amount of money for was continuing to sink uh, cost-wise, as well as the house that we were trying to sell in order to afford the new one was losing value. So probably three months before we were going to move, I called the... Um, I mean, I'm, I'm literally sick to my stomach. Literally, I'm not sleeping. My stomach is full of acid full of fear, full of confusion and wonder, like, what in the world is going on? I call the builder, and I say, hey, bud, we, we got to back out. And he says, well, you're contractually agreed upon it, so I'll sue you. And I can remember literally that phone conversation. I was at my business in Plymouth. I walked out the door into the parking lot, and I said, Lord, what are you doing? Why haven't you delivered me? Why didn't you protect me? And again, I'm going to... God spoke to me clear as a bell and said, buy the house. And immediately, as the scriptures say, be anxious for nothing but in all things by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. And the peace that passes all understanding shall guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And all I can tell you is when God said that, the peace that passes understanding absolutely came over me. My head quit hurting. My stomach quit hurting. I immediately called Betty and I said, buy the house. She said, what are you talking about? We can't do it. I said, 
Lord said, have at it. We moved into the house. It took three more months for our other house to sell. We lost even more money on it. But the whole time we've had peace. And I could tell you, if you want to ask me afterwards, all kinds of cool stuff has happened because of that. But here I am freaked out. And even in God's grace and mercy, he chose to deliver me. Now, the next one doesn't have as much of a happy ending. Two days after Pastor Leon asked me to talk to you guys on protection and deliverance, I got up at about 5, 5.30 in the morning to go do my prayer and devotion time. I was in our back room, sitting in my chaise lounge, praying, and I heard a weird noise. And I just kept praying. A couple minutes later, I heard something else, so I looked out the window, and to the right is my neighbor's house, and there was three guys out there. This is 6.15 in the morning. One guy standing in the street, two guys on the ground, one guy's on top of the other guy. And I'm thinking, oh, he's just some high school kids wrestling, I'm, you know, whatever. So I'm, I'm watching, and all of a sudden the guy on top jumps up and, and rips this iPod away from this kid. I'm all, whoa. So I say, man, what do I do? So I start to go upstairs to get my gun and realize, like, man, that might not be the best thing to do. So come back downstairs, and, and by now they kind of moved further down into the street, and um, there must have been a password on the iPhone, so the thief was yelling at the kid, give me the password, give me the password, and the, the kid, of course, was not. He's trying to get his I, iPhone back, and I just stood there, and I'm ashamed to tell you, I shrunk. I shrunk back. I'm humiliated to tell you. I'm embarrassed to tell you but I'm glad I can tell you because God brought in some measure Eric Ross and Leon Stevenson to Detroit so that we as a body of believers could be the protection and the deliverance for this community. God offered that young man protection and deliverance through me and I shrunk back. And I ask you to forgive me for doing that. I've already repented to the Lord and had a miserable day as I thought that young man. <laughs> and what he thought of the Lord that day. God, why did you let this happen to me? Why didn't you deliver me? God had. But I shrunk back. Young people don't shrink back. She exhorted you. There's Muslims in your community who are dying and going to hell. Don't shrink back. So, Jonathan, I presume tithe? <laughs>